Buckle up. It's showtime. It's time for the green room with Sean Green. Oh, no, with the show. All right, let's do it. All righty then, let's get started. And now for the moment no one's been waiting for. Let's check this Welcome everybody to the Green Room. We're doing it live here on 247comedy.com presented by, well, sponsored by Amazon. You go to shantygreen.com, click the Amazon link, support the podcast today. I'd like to welcome on my guest, Mr. Sean O'Connor. Sean, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, what's going on? Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, it is always weird that uh, the first move of a podcast because... I'm introducing yourself, or I'm introducing you to the audience, but we just introduced ourselves or just said what's up, you know, yeah. five minutes ago. So it's this weird moment where the whole idea of a podcast, I guess, is that you're having a natural kind of talk radio conversation or, or just natural conversation in general. But you're coming over, you're usually hanging out at a guy's play house, garage. I mean, even the best podcast in the world is at a garage or, you know, one of the most popular ones. Yeah, there's, there's something so like... Uh... The beginning's always so weird because, really, we were just hanging out. <laughs> exactly. We were just hung out. We were having a conversation. Right. And, and then uh, you, you stop the conversation <laughs> to be like, and with me here. <laughs> exactly. Nothing changed. We're yeah. sitting in the exact same positions. Yeah. You know, it's not like you became more self-conscious just because the computer <laughs> switched on one setting in the software. Like, we're doing yeah. the exact same thing we were doing 10 minutes ago. But I felt like the conversation was getting warmed up. And, you know, you don't want to save it. You don't want to save it. In the locker room for a sports analogy, but we were just talking. Uh, may as well start here. We were just talking about a new show you're working on as a, as a writer. Yeah, it's called the Ben Show. It's on Comedy Central. It starts February 28th at 10 p.m. Uh, I think it's going to be really great. It's a fun sketch show, and we we do some pranks in it. Okay, so like the premise is um, like a, like a sketch show. So the acts would be like hey, a sketch, then a prank, sketch, prank, or mix it up like that. Yeah, like every episode, had, like by the way, uh, everyone just keeps getting in trouble for confidentiality on the show. So, <laughs> but I, basically, I think without spoiling anything, sure, is Ben goes on a journey every episode so whether it's like uh like he's going on a blind date or something and then we send him into the world and then we have like sketches in between that journey oh okay so it's okay i kind of get it and then the sketches relate to that overall theme of the episode no it's okay just completely random yeah it's like very add uh we are the oldest show to try to appeal to 14 year olds (laughs) Now you Ben, what's uh what's Ben's last name? What's his uh, uh Ben the host? Hoff, Ben Hoffman. Okay. Uh, he's like one of the funniest guys I've ever met. Uh, I've known him now for about two years. So Oh nice. Yeah. He wrote on Sports Show. And, oh, okay. Yeah, that was another show you uh you wrote on, the uh, sports show with Norm McDonald. One of yeah. my one of my personal favorites. Oh, uh, he's my hero. I love him. Yeah, that. I know. That's a oh man. I know. I really like I've never met Norm. I've never. Well, actually, I met him once at a poker tournament at uh, the Bice, or where was it? The Commerce Casino. Oh, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I was like, holy shit, Norm McDonald's here. Like, he's one of those guys that inspired me to do comedy. I mean, I feel like my, you know, not necessarily an influence like style-wise. Like his style's, uh, you know, kind of his own thing, but. Um, yeah, I just remember as a kid, like trying to stay up to midnight, or you know, as a younger guy, kid, yeah. like. I don't know, like the rest of Saturday Night Live, I was like, oh, this is funny. But then Norm was just like a guy talking and just being really sarcastic and being really hilarious. And I was like, wait, that's 
Like, it felt like something more real, or he was just funny by just, you know, like, the slight adjustments, or, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, like, I mean, like, I think, uh, I mean, I've definitely been influenced by him in, like, a real, real way, where I just probably rip him off the most <laughs> of anyone. But, yeah, I mean, like, just that tone, like, he taught, like, all of our, the guys our age, like, yeah. this new tone, and also kind of made us above bombing yeah like his norm always came up above bombing <laughs> yeah. like he was totally willing to bomb like, <laughs> yes. if you like go back on and watch weekend update he is bombing week after week. <laughs> yeah. well that's what the, everyone was saying uh when he got fired they were saying oh it's because you made too many uh they said oj you know norm made too many oj simpson jokes and don olmeyer was friends with uh oj simpson it was like one yeah. of the few guys that like stuck behind oj simpson but then also don olmeyer was like everyone says it's because oj but no you, you listen to the tapes the people are not laughing in no, the audience <laughs> there's one there's one thing where he uh he's talking about it was, i guess it was during soon Yi, like and like uh when he had a joke about woody allen and showed a picture of his new girlfriend and it was that vietnam picture where, like <laughs> yeah, the napalm yeah. And, like, the silence after that picture. <laughs> he was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, um, Norm, I guess, uh, I remember in the in Saturday Night Live books, uh, Norm, he mentioned that particular joke because they were asking, like, did, uh, you know, did uh, Lorne Michaels ever say, like, hey, you can do these kind of jokes or you can't do any kind of jokes? And he's like, that was the only time he came up to me and said it would be a bad idea to show this photo. And he said, I just said, fuck it. <laughs> like, his, his attitude is just, yeah, he's, he's like the ultimate bad boy of apathy. Like, it's such a, um, yeah, it just cracks me up. Yeah, like, and his, his, some of his funniest stories are like, uh, I remember one, he said he, he played some college in Iowa or something, and he, they, I guess they expected it to be a completely clean show, and his act was, like, <laughs> filthy, and, like, half the people walked out, but the other half that stayed there were, like, going nuts and thought it was, like, the best show of all time, <laughs> and then, and he was booked there for, like, the whole weekend or as a part of some charity thing, and the next day there was, like, a charity golf tournament, so he just still went to the golfing thing, <laughs> and he said some old guy came up to him and said, you're not welcome here. <laughs> He's like, I literally got run out of town. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love those stories. Like, he his his stories are the best. Uh, there was, like, one, apparently, when he was on SNL, he did at college, and he just, uh, he, the college show started at 8, and, uh, he left the city at 7.30, and it was, like, an hour and a half away. So, he showed up at, like, 9.30 for this <laughs> show that started at 8, and they had a college opener who did an hour before. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> they said that he like they were just chanting norms <laughs> so he like ruined this guy's night and then he goes up and for the first five minutes they're so excited to see him and then he said there's something clicked in their head where they had just been duped into watching this college opener for an hour <laughs> yeah. that they just booed him for the next 55 minutes <laughs> oh man that's crazy oh yeah so now that's a. I mean, honestly, that sounds like a dream gig. How did that? How did that come about? Oh man, I like completely lucked out on that. I uh, I wrote this script like a bunch of years ago, like four years ago, five years ago, and then uh, like a theatrical. Yeah, like just like a like it was like a, I guess like a, a spec pilot that I wrote for no reason just to get my feet off the ground, <laughs> and then uh, this lady uh, read it and I went and met with her. And she was like, what's your dream job? And Norm had just been picked up. And I said, Norm. Oh, wow. And she used to run Comedy Central. 
Oh, really? And uh, she was like, I, I'll make, I can make a phone call. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, yeah, you should probably make that phone call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, like, I had to, like, go and meet with them and, like... Uh, he... so, yeah, they're like, so what is Norm... I mean, imagine Norm has to meet you before you get hired on as a writer. Oh, yeah. What's what's Norm MacDonald like in the job interview? Um, well, <laughs> it, he was filming promos for his hour special that aired last year. Yeah. And he was uh, just filming the promos and, like, he was, like dressed as like a hockey player or like a, <laughs> with Mr. Met and he would just come over and talk to me and my friend Doug who also got hired yeah and he just kept making sure that we weren't weirdos <laughs> but we gave off like such weirdos because we were just like lurking in the dark <laughs> for like hours and then he took us out for dinner and it was like the best thing ever but I didn't say a word to him for like the first three weeks so you're just sitting yeah okay like the first three weeks you're just like hey don't you never know he could be this weird Hollywood guy and you don't want to you yeah. don't want to mess this up I don't want to mess it up and plus he's like my hero and I had met him <laughs> once before like my friend Julian opened for him at Caroline's on my birthday so he like brought me backstage and then he talked to me for an hour about how the kids in the hall are gay <laughs> so, that's so. the other thing he for some reason Norm gets a pass on all gay jokes like, all gay jokes the, yeah, Tracy Morgan, uh, you know, I mean, Tracy Morgan says the craziest things, but he said one thing about gay people. He had to go on this, like, apology tour. Yeah. And <laughs> Norm I, I think it's because Norm is totally willing to joke about himself being gay. Like, yeah. he's always doing that. So they're like, wait, everyone's just confused about it. <laughs> yeah, like, he'll go on Howard Stern and say, like, fag and, like, uh, you know. But, uh, yeah, he'll also say, like, oh, yeah, I love cock. Or, like, you know, just totally ridiculous stuff, I, I guess. For whatever reason, he doesn't uh, get you know. People don't get pissed off at him. No, you can't. You I mean, can't as get you should, but him. like because like that thing that happened with Corolla recently, where he said all that stuff about ladies not being funny. Yeah, if you listen to Norm on Howard Stern <laughs> yeah. like four years ago, he talks about for about twenty minutes about how only Sarah Silverman and Roseanne are funny, and the rest <laughs> all And he goes, "Yeah, Roseanne's funny, but it's even in a masculine way. Like her punchline for like years was just suck my dick." <laughs> Well, he, yeah, he had a great line where it was um, – they were asking – I guess uh, Laura Keitlinger was on a Greg Fitzsimmons show and said like her, when she went to Saturday Night Live, she had a real hard time adjusting and there was supposed to be this mentorship program set up and Norm was going to be her mentor and it didn't work out or whatever. And so she was like – had a <clears throat> bone to pick with Norm and Norm's like <laughs> – they played the clip for Norm and he's like, wait – He's like, I'm supposed to teach women how to be funny? He's like, first off, that would imply that I think women can learn how to be funny. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I mean, just think back to high school. You remember, you would hear a, an uproarious laughter and you would run over. And who was it in the middle of the group? A woman. <laughs> he was just yeah, going like, out. It was always the broad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is so funny. Uh, it's so hard to... Uh, like live in the world that we live in yeah and also hear that and be like that's really funny yeah, <laughs> no. yeah it's like i you know i see that you shouldn't be misogynist listen i'm not i'm not an animal i yeah. get it yeah but then also i maybe it is because norm uses older terms like broad and you know yeah. say like chinaman and stuff like that where people are like oh he's kind of playing this old chunk of coal i think sam simon calls him that or a lot of people i've heard oh yeah. old chunk of coal norm mcdonald yeah. like and he'll even and kind of do if you've ever seen him do stand up he'll he'll do like weird little tangents oh, like that yeah i mean like most of his jokes like i think he's playing a character of a drifter <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like 
I just wandered into town and then, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a warm meal for an old chunk of coal like myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess when you speak in that old, like, that old fashioned, uh, the way of talking that, you know, people just let it go and they're like, yeah. Yeah. Plus he's like, he's so ni- like, he's a nice guy. Like, uh, by, by the way, yeah, like he's just the nicest guy in the entire world and like. He has awesome opinions. Yeah. Now that's um and that's a that's a frustrating thing. I mean, I was really bummed when I I heard uh norm, you know, sports show wasn't going on anymore cuz yeah. hey, I knew a couple guys that were on it and or you know, on working as writers. And also like that to me as a guy who likes sports, a guy who likes comedy, and a huge Norm McDonald fan, this was like the holy trinity of shows. And uh yeah, I was just really bummed out. What what do you think, like, was a reason it didn't work out? Or do you have any sort of scenarios or thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely have a theory of why it didn't work out that I, I think has been confirmed. Uh, we did not listen to any of the network notes at oh, okay. all. Like, <laughs> they gave us a very specific note to make it uh, more, like, video-heavy and be, like, kind of a sports version of Tosh. Yeah. And they were like, you just have to go younger. And that was the same week where Norm was like, let's do a Western. (laughs) (laughs) Norm has this, like, it's weird. Every guy our age, like, loves, even guys who are not in comedy, realize Norm MacDonald is hilarious. You know, he's a big comedic influence. But yet somehow he just, like, almost goes out of his way or just has this thing where he just wants to like destroy his career or feels yeah. burdened by having a career in shows. It's like he feel he seems annoyed to be like in entertainment. Oh well, yeah, he uh I mean like I don't think he definitely wants to be in entertainment. He definitely yeah. wants to. I think he just wants it all to be like his way. It's like the most like comedian approach to everything. Like, yeah. He's like, like if you asked me to have a TV show, I would listen to everyone's yeah, notes. No, I would. I'd be like, great idea, yeah. whatever. Please, just let me. Yeah, like I want to buy a house. Like, yeah, exactly. I want to do, and he's like, he really wants to just do stand up, right? And then like everything else just helps him do stand up. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. No, he doesn't. I mean, it's it's. I admire it. I, I wish I kind of had that uh, courage artistically. Although I've never been offered any sort of those opportunities, so maybe in my own defense, maybe I would have a backbone to some degree. But yeah, like you said, I think uh, Comedy Central is skewing super younger, and yeah. uh, they want yeah, like the the nuanced timing of a Norm Macdonald maybe maybe not right for the Comedy Central audience. Yeah, I remember like going on Twitter and like reading the reviews because all of a sudden I was the only one of the writers who did stuff like that. Yeah. Like, so I would have to tell them like, oh yeah, like 14 year olds don't know who Norm is. Yeah. Like, and that was like a, a tough <laughs> thing to say at work. <laughs> now, does Norm, Norm doesn't care if 14 year olds know oh, who he, he is. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit about, he doesn't even know there's 14 year olds in the world. Yes. <laughs> He's completely oblivious. I remember, uh, I forget where I heard this other story about Norm, but uh, it, I think it was when he had his, um, his show on uh, ABC, like his last ABC sitcom. I think it might have just been called Norm. Yeah, Norm. And um, they were, or no, no, it was uh, it was the one. A minute with Stan. Hooper. A minute with Stan Hooper. Yeah, and they were the uh, producers were like really pressuring him, like, "Hey, we got to get some, 
we got to get some big name people to drop in on the show. Like you were at Saturday Night Live, you know all the. I mean, you know Adam Sandler, you know all these big names. For whatever reason, I forget how it came about, but they got Eddie Murphy on the show, and uh, I guess one of the producers had been talking to Eddie Murphy. They're like, come on, yeah, Norm's on it. You love Norm. Norm's hilarious, blah, blah, blah. And so he gets Norm on the phone, and I guess Eddie Murphy goes, hey, listen, Norm, they've been saying the show's great. Uh, all I need to do is hear from you that you think the show's really funny, and I'll come on and do a guest spot. And he goes, eh, I don't think it's that funny. <laughs> <laughs> Even even on that level, he just couldn't tell a lie. and just was like, eh, I don't think it's working. Um, well, yeah, he uh, on, on Sports Show, we did this thing where we were trying to go out to like all these like celebrities. Yeah, and, like Norm is very like protective of his friendship, so like we didn't go to like Adam Sandler or like David Spade because like he still hangs out with them. Yeah, but we went out to Mike Myers, and Mike Myers said, "Yeah, I'll do something on your show." I have this character I'm working on that's actually sports related. Oh, really? So he was this like hockey commentator called like Guy Lafleur. Yeah, yeah, Guy yeah. Lafleur or something. So he sends us the script of what he's going to do, and then me and Doug Perkins uh, have to rewrite it. Oh, you're rewriting Mike, Mike Myers' Myers. script. <laughs> Mike Myers' script. <laughs> so he sent it back because it didn't really make sense. His script. So we send it back to him, and he just films his script and it's like awful <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't even air it like oh, the only wow. we got on our show it was mike myers and sean merriman <laughs> <laughs> and we went with sean merriman but ignored mike myers sean merriman oh man wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah that well mike myers man i mean you want to talk about what happened there like he was on top of the world. If you would have asked me who was the funniest man alive, there's like a, a few year window where, there where I would I would have made a case for Mike Myers. Oh, absolutely! Like when I was like 13 years old, Mike Myers was the best you can be. Oh he was, yes, he was so great. I have no idea what happened. Shag baby, all the it makes no sense because like it's like most of the time he could be like oh, I was probably drug drug related. Yeah, but he seemed like a squeaky. Well, it's guy. almost yeah, it's almost kind of a lot like Eddie Murphy where they. It's the vice of uh, success. Like they're just so successful that they, um, you know, that they no one says no to them, and that's what ends up doing them in because they kind of just lose their entire sense of humor. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, you do need the like you do need to be saying something to an audience that can be like, I don't like that. Yeah, that's the most important part of. Yeah, comedy. you need to. Yeah, you need to. You still need to have that ability to edit, and I think guys like Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy, who aren't still doing stand-up, I think you kind of lose that internal editing, because at least, you know, like Jerry Seinfeld, yeah, he's been super successful, but he still goes out and does stand-up, so you can only, your celebrity credibility will only get you so far. I mean, you can ask yeah. Kramer or Michael uh, Richards, uh, like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> at some point, they'll be like, you have to say something funny, or it's not going to work uh, out. Totally, that's why stand-up's the best, is you could honestly see someone and you're like, oh wow, I have the most respect for that person. Just fucking bomb their dick yeah. off. <laughs> and at the same time, it's like, yeah, they're still that person and they're still great. But at the same time, I just like I watch Chris Rock bomb, and that yeah. is awesome. I would rather see everyone. Have you have bomb. you seen Chris Rock bomb? I saw him like working on stuff at the Comedy Cellar like three years ago, and I would say like half of his set was killer, and then half was just like nothing. So now the half. Part of his set that wasn't killer 
what kind of stuff like it just falls flat or just the timing's off on it yeah it's just that like he because chris rock does that thing where like he'll talk about uh like a big topic and then take the opposite side of it yeah contrarian yeah and then sometimes like if you're taking the opposite side like you're just so wrong (laughs) yeah you can't put a spin on it yeah uh so i don't remember what he was talking about but i remember the michael vick stuff that night was like great Oh, yeah, he yeah. was, uh, what, he was, like, arguing for Michael Vick? Yeah. Now, you're you're a sports fan. What's your take on the entire Michael Vick thing? Oh, the entire Michael Vick thing? <laughs> like, honestly, like, here here's the thing. I love dogs. Like, I've, Yeah, I, no, I, I mean. I have a dog. You know, we had to stop the podcast a couple times because my dog's being annoying. But... Yeah, I know. I like dogs. But, like, uh, you know, like, he, he's really good at uh, football. <laughs> Well, he was really good at football, and as an Eagles fan, my it's like I defended him for so long, and then this year, I was just like, he's an animal, he's a monster, like, <laughs> 13, 14 turnovers, he doesn't deserve to ever have a dog again. Oh, yeah, no, I really believe, like, it should be all statistics-based. <laughs> yeah, like, no. like, that's where you're punished. Yeah, exactly. Like, maybe, all right, so, like, I would have no problem if he still got to play in the NFL for those, was it two or three years? That he was gone. Yeah, he was out. It was like two full years. Yeah, two full years. If he got to play in the NFL and then, like, you know, just didn't get a salary or something. Yeah. Like, it was like he was doing community service. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. You just – it's one of these things. What Michael Vick did was wrong, right? But then also, like, the punishment he served in comparison to other people in similar situations seemed way more – I mean, he – he went to jail for like 18 months, lost $40 million. I mean, people have done less for murder. Like, yeah. that's that's that was the crazy part in my mind. Yeah, I mean, they were trying to make a statement by doing that. And they did it with Plaxical Burris as well. And Plaxical Burris should not have gone to jail for that at all. <laughs> he shot himself. <laughs> he shot himself. No one else, no one else was affected at all. I, I mean, like, they're athletes. They have, like, 14 years to make money. Like, that's it. Then they're fucked. Yeah, that's a good – I mean, like, even the uh, Bounty Gate. Like, yeah, if you ask like a person who doesn't really know about sports, like, oh, he was getting, he was taking extra money to hurt people, but you know, and they they put him out for a year, which doesn't sound like a lot maybe to the common person, but if you follow the NFL, a year is a crazy amount of time. Like, and that could be even if you have an eight year career, that's what twelve percent of your career earnings because yeah. you're not going to make money after. No, you're not. Like, there's like. 10, like, 10 from every generation that make money after. Yeah. And, like, because there's only, like, three channels that show it, and there's, like, two people on a team. Yeah, Kelly Ripa can only have so many partners. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's crazy that we, that you can be penalized while you're being, like, a professional athlete. Like, I watched this documentary about uh, the NFL draft, and it followed, like, all these, like, late rounders, and then I, like, Google it because it was from four years ago. None of them are still in the league. Like, they were all drafted, and they're, they're just done. They probably, like, work at a car. I was, like, yeah, I was watching, um, it's funny you say that, because I was, uh, I think I might even played it uh, when it first came out, a clip about it, but there was, like, uh, you know, Tom Brady, 
didn't get drafted. He didn't get drafted the first day. Like yeah. he got drafted the second day, so it was like a six round pick. But I guess after the first day of not getting drafted, he just walked around the neighborhood with a baseball <laughs> bat because like, he was just really angry. Just it's got to be for the people hanging out in that town, just walking by, seeing a brooding Tom Brady walking around with a baseball. That's got to be very scary. Oh, very scary. And by the way, that's like the worst day of your life because <laughs> yeah, like you have just been working your entire life for this day, and then like you're just. Ignored the entire time. Yeah, like, uh, I put together like a really solid career that you know you feel like an idiot to pass me up, and then like everyone passes you up six times. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of yeah. It's like all right. Tennessee said they really liked me. This next round they're gonna get this next round. No, this next <laughs> round. What the heck? Get me the bat, yeah. Dad. By the way, waiting on a quarterback like to the sixth round that means you're never gonna play. So he is like an exception to every rule in football. Yeah. And uh, oh, also, it always cracked me up that he goes, yeah, you know, if it wasn't for the Patriots taking a chance on me, I'd just be selling insurance somewhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know when selling insurance became – sounds like a pretty – I mean, oh, it's not a the stable great- job, though. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you'd be able to get benefits, raise a family perhaps. Like you're not – feels like you – what happened to like working at McDonald's as being kind of the go-to worst job that people are like, hey, I'd be working at McDonald's. Yeah. Selling insurance still sounds like a decent gig. It is a decent gig. I just think – I think maybe he it's, he's like, oh, well, that's the most boring job. <laughs> yeah. and I'm the most exciting as yeah. the uh, greatest living quarterback. And then I also am married to Giselle. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, lo- I would love if he just kept going with the insurance thing and he's like, and I would be married to just like, you know, just some fucking school teacher. <laughs> You know, gain weight as soon as you have one kid. Like, just some, some kids that I have to take care of because I can't afford a nanny or a babysitter. <laughs> and then when I knock up the super, you know, hot chick on the side, I can't get rid of her easily. <laughs> like, just describing this awful insurance guy's life. <laughs> I just feel bad because there's probably – I would argue there's probably thousands of Patriots fans who sell insurance that yeah. are like diehard Tom Brady fans that are just like, oh man, yeah, come on, come on, <laughs> what did I, what did I do? <laughs> just trying to earn an honest living. So now, what, uh, what part of the country are you originally from, Sean? I'm originally from New Jersey. <clears throat> New uh, Jersey, what part? Uh, the Jersey Shore. Like oh, okay. Middletown, Middletown. Right All right. So, like, what, uh, what beaches would you go to growing up? Like uh, high school, college? Oh, uh, uh, Belmar. Nice. Uh, the Belmar and uh, Asbury Park. I would never go to that beach, but I would go to Asbury Park to hang out. It was a cool place. Yeah. You're from Philly. Yeah. I'm from, well, I'm from Bethlehem, but I just say I'm from Philadelphia because <clears throat> you, you tell people you're from Bethlehem. No one really knows where that is. Oh, yeah. My girlfriend's from Westchester, and that happens oh, okay. all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's easier to say Philadelphia because then people are like, oh, I know. It is funny. Um, people's like – Lack of, or in California, uh, people's like lack of knowledge of other places. Like, um, I don't expect people to know where Bethlehem is. But, but Lehigh University. Oh John yeah, Lehigh State, University. Like, yeah. There is a Waffle House there. Yes, exactly. Is I've it, been at that Waffle is House. Is it the City of Lights? Um, or is that Scranton? No, uh, that might be Scranton. It's a Christmas no, that, city. Oh, okay. The but they have tons of Christmas lights, so yeah. it makes sense. Um, two separate. Girls have asked me my time spent out in California just randomly. It happened just recently. That's what made me think about it. And it happened someone to ask me that before. Like they asked me if it gets cold in Philadelphia and do we have snow? Like to me that sounds <laughs> like just to have a basic idea of general geographics. Like I 
grew up in the East Coast for the majority of my life, I knew that Los Angeles didn't have snow. Like, I feel, yeah. like, feel like it's it's pretty easy to figure out. I feel like, though, like, we're, like, the uh, kind of Northeast and, like, Philly, New Jersey, and New York all have this, like, chip on their shoulder where they would almost, <laughs> everyone would rather be somebody else, uh, somewhere else. Yeah. They're like, I want to be somewhere else, but this is the hand I've been dealt, yeah. so I'm here. So you know everything about everything. <laughs> yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, because everyone's like, man, you know what it's like down in Florida? Oh, yeah, of course I do. It's not like this. Yeah. yeah it's the, must oh, be nice. Yeah, must be. Yeah, that's a perfect uh, – that's a great reasoning because, yeah, oh, hey, you're uh, you know, you're a cute chick growing up in Los Angeles. Why – where else would you want to look for? Like, hey, yeah. this is happening here. Oh, yeah. I, I know that other people experience other weather. It doesn't behoove me to learn where those specific areas are. It's not like – Oh wait! Can't wait to uh, experience a northeast storm by living in Philadelphia. Like no one's no gr- no girl is like daydreaming of that. Yeah. Like drawing pictures in her notebook and like, man, once I once I don't have to live with my parents, I'm going to move to Philadelphia. Like no, it doesn't no. happen. No, and what's weird is I hung out in Philly uh, ever like way before I ever hung out in New York City. Oh okay. And to me, Philly at that time was the coolest place I'd ever been. I went to New York. I'm like, oh, this is like so, <laughs> yeah. so much better. <laughs> yeah, Philly's all right. But, uh, I mean, it's tough to beat New York as a city, period. I mean, really, they have everything. Uh, but Philly is, like, one of my favorite places just because everyone there is so sarcastic. Yeah. Like, like, everyone is looking to fight at all times. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's my favorite moment that's ever happened in Philly is I, I was uh, there with my friend Julian. And he was uh, going to. We were at Pat's cheesesteaks. Yeah. Yep. He was taking a long time because he's he's like a, a pussy. <laughs> like, you're supposed to go in there with a plan. And the guy goes, "What will it be, homo?" <laughs> I'm like that's the most Philly thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he even had Zubaz on. Yeah. <laughs> what will it be, homo? Well, there's a, there was. I remember Pat's was. Uh, a big a big piece of controversy because they said you must they put up they installed a plaque that said you must was, order in English. Yeah. And that was like really controversial. It was like, is this a civil rights issue? But I was saying immediately when that happened, what do you they yeah, they make you order in English and they make you order properly. Like you'll go to they won't serve you if you just order incorrectly, period. Yeah. Regardless if it's in perfect English. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I love Pat's and Gino's. They're just run by old Italian men. Yeah. And old Italian men don't have time for anything. <laughs> no. Where are they going? Yeah. What are old Italian men dying to do? Yeah. They're just dying to die. Like, yeah, they're just li- they're living to die. Like, that's their, <laughs> that's their big plan. Yeah. Wait, wait till I get home and I can just drink myself to death, <laughs> eat tasty cakes, and smoke cigarettes indoors, and get real angry about stuff, and then pass out. Like, what? Yeah, it's not like. Hey, I have this other dream I'm pursuing no. when I'm not working at this cheese uh, steak place. Yeah, like, no, working at a cheese steak place for seventy years and they don't give a shit about anyone. But then at the same time, they're like, "But seriously, this is my time." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, what do you want, asshole? You're patronizing my business. <laughs> it's like you're making tons of you're printing money. <clears throat> it's not like they invest any in i'm sure it's not like uh you know paying a ton in employee benefits or <laughs> you know research and development or marketing yeah. like no you are world renowned as the cheesesteak spots in philadelphia all you have to do is just open your doors and you can serve total crap and people would still go there because yeah. just the tourists it's uh, such an easy gig why are they so angry <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're and like they're just so fucking proud of themselves. Like outside of past, they have that like little 
curb thing that just says, this is where Rocky stood. (laughs) (laughs) The the real one? It's a fictional character. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Now, that would have been a great time to be alive, like hanging outside a cheesesteak stand after, like, the theatrical release of Rocky 1 and just a lot of, like, Guido guys getting together and just, uh, just, like, you know, waxing on poetically about Sylvester Stallone and how he gets the city. Oh, man, that would be a great time. So, all right, you grew up in uh, Jersey Shore there. How's, uh, how's everything back home for you? Um, I mean, it's okay, I think. Um, the two towns directly next to my town are no longer exist- in existence. They're gone now. No, wait, what happened? Um, because of the hurricane. Oh, really? Like, yeah, they just destroyed. They're completely underwater. Like, all the houses have been knocked down. Oh, wow, stuff. that's crazy. Yeah, we, like, my town lost its boardwalk. Like, all the boardwalks are gone. In New Jersey now, they don't have this. Really? Yeah, I was like, I oh. didn't. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess that makes sense. That would be the literally the first thing that got hit. Yeah, I have to imagine like Bruce Springsteen is going through his songbook, just <laughs> crossing things out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Like this destroys my entire catalog. <laughs> yeah. Although that would be something I could just picture like a. You know, people are sitting there trying. You know, like the re- uh, the rebuild efforts, and there's just like a lonesome Bruce Springsteen walking up the down the <laughs> Jersey Shore for inspiration. <laughs> there's got to be something here. Oh, you you have to imagine that he wrote like forty fucking songs last week. <laughs> yeah, when he heard the Jersey Shore was devastated, in the back of his mind, he's like jackpot. <laughs> here it goes. Don't have to wax on poetic about working in a factory. <laughs> no, exactly. Um. So. Okay, so you uh, you grew up there in yeah. the uh, Jersey Shore. What was uh, – oh, so wait, you were really close to the beach then? Yeah, like super close to the beach. I like worked at the boardwalk when I was like 13. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so what, what kind of jobs do you have on the boardwalk? Um, well, I, I had had three jobs. I worked at a food place, like it was a pizza place. Then I worked at like a stand with like all those games. And then I worked at the water park. Oh, okay. That was my last job. I worked my way up to lifeguard. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, but I, I, I quit the pizza place after two weeks. And then I think I was technically fired from the stand because they paid me once and then I kept working. And then they paid me again for the same week of working. Yeah. So I just left <laughs> without giving them their money back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you got paid twice for one week and figured, hey, yeah. this is a good scam. Yeah, I ain't going to live the rest of my life off of you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Suckers. Yeah. So it was uh, like Jersey Shore growing up there. Was it, uh, was it like laid back? I mean, people think like, oh, hey, it's a beach. It's kind of a laid back lifestyle. Uh, no, I mean like all my friends uh, are like just fucking ghetto shit. Like they're all like <laughs> the most ghetto people that – there was like a – we obviously went down two different roads as soon as we hit 14. Like the people who got into like taking ecstasy every day. Right. Those were, like, my best friends. And then I was like, oh, I'll uh, w- watch you guys take ecstasy every day. Yeah. And then, like, I went went away. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Eventually it was time to head out. Do you get a lot of uh, people living there seasonally or just coming out for the summer? Or was, um, it, was our, there a year-long population? At, like, our area was completely, like, year-long. But then, like, if you go down, like, maybe, like, 25 miles, those are, like, the seasonal people. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is, like, our, I was just a shitty town. I grew yeah. up in, like, a, just a shit, the, the, <laughs> like, the, the two towns that were, like, washed off the face of this earth, were, like, granted, I know people who live there, and, like, I feel really bad about it, but 
Now they could go. So. <laughs> it's, it might be for the best. Yeah. You know? It was like Noah with the flood. Hey, you kind of had a clean house. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you survived the flood. Everything's going to be all right. Maybe yeah. rebuild take, a little. Uh, yeah, take that insurance money and go somewhere else. <laughs> go to a little better, uh, better climate all around. So now, growing up, how would you how would you basically describe yourself? Were you kind of a jock, nerdy kid? Um, I mean, all my friends were uh, totally jocks. I played baseball till i was 17 and uh all my friends would play football and stuff but i was, was just a pussy so I yeah i play football that stuff hurts <laughs> i went to like two practices freshman year and i was like oh, i can't I oh, really gotta do it's this. a killer yeah i mean when you're yeah you're 12 years old the insane amount of yelling and impact you're taking and this is before concussions were frowned upon concussions were encouraged yeah <laughs> Yeah, the moment they taught, they were teaching us how to like cut out someone's knee. I'm like, oh, I don't want to play this game. <laughs> yeah, and you only went to two. Pr- you went to practice for a week. Yeah, yeah. they they taught that was like one of the first things they taught you. They taught you how to like crouch the right way and then destroy someone's life. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it, the the people teaching youth football are. That's why football is never going to change because. Like, okay, yeah, maybe some of the people in the NFL or whatever, or maybe there's some coaches later on in life or, like, legitimate professionals have a long history of, you know, learning of the game and what to do and do right. But the people that are, like, teaching the kids when they first learn are the guys who have no experience coaching, who are just sociopaths, who have Monday, Wednesday, Friday free from 5 to 7, and like yelling. Like, that's yeah. who you're getting. Yeah, you're getting people who failed at this. <laughs> exactly. And then, like, they have this, like, a chip on their shoulder, and they're just ready to fucking teach you it the wrong way. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're not great football players. If they're great football players, they would be coaching, e- even if you had any sort of real football experience, you'd be coaching high school at the very worst, yeah. college, whatever but if you're coaching peewee football that means you'll probably have a lot of free time on your hand you you like yelling you don't yeah. want to hang out with your own kids like yeah. there's, it's not it's not a great filter my friend's dad was like our town's like peewee football coach and he told me like maybe like six years ago that his dad would get all the plays off of Madden. <laughs> like, he would, like, awesome. he would copy the diagram and just do that. <laughs> hey, I mean, it works. But, yeah, like, I mean, who knows if it works. But, yeah, the kids are dumb. They're not going to know how to run the plays regardless. Yeah. But that's that's hilarious. <laughs> like, yeah, and that's the guy. The guy copying the plays for Madden is the guy explaining the proper way to tackle so you don't get a neck injury or concuss someone else and give them brain damage. It's yeah. the same guy. Yeah. He's the medical expert. and The, that's never, the, the tackling is never going to get changed because the people teaching it at the earliest levels are the worst tacklers, the worst people. Oh, oh, They're yeah. not good people for the most part. And then like you, you read these articles like, uh, is, it, is it Sue on the Lions, Detroit Lions? Yeah. Yeah. That guy's like, he was voted the dirtiest player two years in a row. And then, like, when you read what he does, it's like, what a piece of shit yes. this guy is. And he's, like, the best at defense. Like, he's the best defender yeah. in, the, in in football. And this guy's, like, stepping on people's arms. And then when I heard, like, when you're in, like, one of those pylons, people are just pinching your fat. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, that's always what they, uh, I always remember, like, the, the announcers would talk, like, oh, you don't want to know what's going on in that pile right now. You don't want to know. I never, I never got any crazy stuff happening in a pile because I was just usually the guy getting squished, so there was just no yeah. m- movement. Or if someone was going to take the ball, I'm like, all right, whatever. I, yeah. I tried. I'm yeah. in the pile. That's the best yeah. I can do. I, I'm just, like, trying not to hyperventilate and have a panic attack at the bottom of this pile. 
but yeah, they're not. <laughs> okay, we're gonna leave it up to the uh, this guy. Like the the football coaches I had, I remember he would uh, he would just chew a lot of tobacco, and then he would tell you about how uh, there was a big. We would practice for fifteen minutes, where uh, like special teams, and basically. He would say, like, to the punter, if they come anywhere near you, anyone comes anywhere near you, you immediately grab your leg and start writhing around in pain. That's how we're going to get an unsportsmanlike conduct, and that's how we're going to keep our drives alive. Well, that's awesome. That's, yeah. That's a great coach. Yeah. And, but meanwhile, th- now this is the crazy part. Well, I guess it's not crazy, but it just highlights who is actually coaching these things. This guy and then his other drunk buddy, they were always getting into arguments. They didn't have the kids on the team. They just they just wanted to be macho dudes and see kids, you know, slamming their heads into each other, whatever. One of the kids, his dad actually played in the NFL, but he wasn't a coach. Like, he just had other stuff going on or yeah. just didn't feel like coaching. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, even people who – because, yeah, I'm sure if he wanted to get into coaching, he wouldn't start at the peewee level. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't need to coach 12-year-olds. No, exactly. He's like, I was in the NFL. I can yeah. – I can be. I, you don't think I can be a defensive back coach? Yeah. There's 90 coaching jobs on each team. Our high school's football co- uh, staff was just all kids who had graduated, like, four years before that, yeah. like, played at, like, a local New Jersey college and then just was like, oh, I'll just be a teacher and coach football. Yep. And they were so pissed off about that. <laughs> like, they, they would just treat, like, 14-year-olds <laughs> like pieces of shit and, like <laughs> – yeah, well, because they're – yeah, I mean, really, being great at high school football, for the most part, is really bad for your life. Because especially if you're a guy – well, obviously you're a guy if you're great at high school football. Um, but, uh, yeah, because you're you're getting, like, every, all this adulation, you're probably not going to go on to a great college career or you're probably not going to – I mean, odds, astronomical odds you're going to be in the NFL. Yeah. For the most part, this is going to be the highlight of your life, and you're 18, so you're kind of like pushing off college or just like have this – have way more confidence than you should at that age. Like you should have the, the eye of the tiger. Like the guy who is really good at high school football for us is – you know, kind of bouncing around, sells weed, on and off landscaping. Yeah. Like, hey, I got a sweet gig. I landscape in the summer, collect seasonal unemployment. I just remember he kept mentioning seasonal unemployment. But, yeah. like, I feel like that's the majority of the people. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, my, my school's uh, football team sucked. I went to a Catholic high school. But the, our rival was this other Catholic high school where all of my friends went. And they were pretty bad, too. They were, like, really bad. But they're running back. Like, everyone in the state was like, this guy is the best. Like, he's going to be great. Like, he started as a freshman. And then when he was a sophomore, Noshan Moreno was at the other Catholic school. Oh, wow. And uh, he was amazing. Like, he, yeah. Yeah, he, he plays at the NFL now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've, put it, I've heard of him. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah, he was really good. <laughs> so that guy, like, no, he, I think he just, like, deals uh, drugs. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. Like, there was, a, there was a dude who was super fast in a middle school. This guy's drop-off happened even before high school football. Like, he uh, – I remember he had a full beard in eighth grade, um, and he was just, like, destroying. Like, our, our eighth grade uh, – football team was dominant like crazy dominant we didn't lose a game i was um 
I wasn't on the fourth string. They didn't have a fourth string. What they had was the third string, and they had third string A and third string B. So I was on third string B, which was essentially the fourth <laughs> yeah. string. They had a they had a game. We had so many people in this middle school, and so many people on the team, and obviously everyone has to be on the team. They had a second string game, and I didn't start the second string game. Like that's how deep the roster was. Anyway, the star of this, he whatever reason didn't play in high school dropped out like second third year in high school and then uh this is like you know whatever 10 years later or something read in the uh police blotter that he was involved he was selling heroin to like an undercover police officer he hopped in uh you know, it went. The deal went wrong, or whatever. He found out they were the cops. He hopped in his car, sped away, crashed the car, and then the cops caught him by foot. And we, that was when that was just yeah. like the ultimate. Uh, just you know, your your skills collapsing. Yeah, I think. Well, like in your head, you're like, oh my god, he wasted all those to give it to us. But really, he was probably really smart because like he was never gonna fucking make it to the <laughs> no, NFL. No. So he just quit before all of that bullshit he had to do <laughs> exactly. to get rejected by the by that. Yeah, in a, in a way, he was probably a genius. Uh, well, not obviously. Yeah. He's probably not obviously a that, genius, but... Yeah. He was smarter than that story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he just didn't want to put up with all that other bullshit, so he said, hey, fuck it, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy high school by just cutting class, and hey, one way or the other, I'm going to be roofing, may as well just enjoy these four years where legally nothing can really happen to me, and uh, yeah, hey... I'll, I'll be all right. Well, that's what's always pissed me off about my little brother. My little brother's six years younger than me, and he was—he's like amazing at baseball. Yeah. Like uh, when he was like seven, he could switch hit and like switch hit for power at like seven. So at, by the time he was like twelve, he just quit baseball, and oh. I was just so mad because that's all I ever wanted to do was play baseball, and he was really good. And he was just like, no, he's like, I, I hate getting beamed. <laughs> Like he got beat like twice last season. He just, he, he just wasn't feeling it. Yeah, you can't force people, but like my kids, I'm gonna force them to do yes, that. Yes, exactly. Especially now that I, can, I know you could like switch hit at seven. Yeah. That, oh, there's a thing. Like I, I feel like if you're a sports fan, you have had a lot of different fantasies. Well, first off, eventually you come to grips with you're not going pro. Usually in high school at some point or late yeah. middle school, maybe early college, depending on how good you are athletically. And then your brain immediately just switches to how are you going to raise a superhuman child? What <laughs> sports? Like what different yeah. angles are there? Okay, uh, let's see. Switch hitting catcher. Uh, you can get a lot of work in the bullpen. Long snappers. Every team needs a long snapper. <laughs> feel like, And it's just all like basically for you know average you know physically uh white dudes like us it's like finding these loopholes in professional sports so we can take advantage of like <laughs> the punter all right the put you don't have to be big it's all about repetition soccer style kicking like you start game planning yeah did you did you see that 30 for 30 about todd marinovich yeah yes like, the I entire did. time i was watching i'm like they're trying to make this dad look like an asshole but he is so right like <laughs> everything he did worked out it's just his son <laughs> It was, it was like he wanted to get addicted to drugs. Yeah. But his like, son, instead of going waking up early to go practice, he went and did uh, you know eight balls of cocaine with Charlie Sheen and played pinball all night, which yeah. does sound fun in this defense. Oh, yeah. It was the 80s. <laughs> yeah. That means he was doing everything right. <laughs> exactly. 
No, his dad, it was just like, his dad forces him to eat a healthy diet and work out and and be disciplined by playing football. Yeah, his, like, it seemed like he was uh, just getting all the attention yes. and just doing everything right. And then everyone liked him and wanted him and they're like, yeah, he's going to be a millionaire. Yeah, he's, his dad sounds pretty cool. Like, everyone who hates their dad, what is their thing? Oh, my dad was never there, never played catch with me, never took... This dad basically dedicated his life to Todd Marinovich. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, Todd found drugs and alcohol. Like, he, he just strikes me as a total bro who is just going to... They make it seem like, oh, he would have had a great life if it wasn't for his dad pushing him so hard. No, he would have been a dropout loser years ago. Totally. He hung out with the surfers. Like, yes, exactly. If you surfers, you're going to smoke pot. <laughs> and then if you go to USC in 1987, you're going to do cocaine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's like, yeah, you're hanging out. In the, you're in Los Angeles in the 80s. I mean, professional athletes were doing cocaine all the time. O.J. Simpson was doing cocaine. Lawrence Taylor made a career out of doing tons of cocaine. Like, yeah. I feel like cocaine's getting the bad rap here. It really is, and I don't think that's right. <laughs> because it, it was the 80s, and I feel like the 80s were just made of cocaine. Like, every single person. That's like my weird uh, Scientology theory. Oh, yeah? Is that, like, all those people, like, uh, like are just doing it as a rehab. Type oh, because they thought like checking into rehab would ruin their career. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just, no, I mean, that makes that makes perfect sense. Like they have, <clears throat> yeah, no, because you go through like this cleansing process. I mean, in a way, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever. It's that same thing. It's very cultish. Like, yeah, you you detox and then they kind of like program you to do the right thing. Yeah, but like you like you look at the people. It's like Tom Cruise and John Travolta who were like. <laughs> gigantic in the 80s yes like kirstie alley who gigantic in the 80s like <laughs> figuratively they, literally yeah, they, yeah, <laughs> no, both, no, actually it was yeah. it was more after the 80s but yeah but like you have to think they were just constantly doing cocaine and then that you watch what happened to like robert downey jr where like his career was like shot for a while yeah but like he did the right thing and is now looked at as a weirdo. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> oh my! I, he like actually confronted his substance abuse, seemed to clean up his act, and now is doing all right. But yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, you hear crazy stories about Tom Cruise, and I mean, Tom Cruise certainly has a lot of attributes of yeah. a cokehead. The energy totally. alone, <laughs> the energy alone, and like if you like, I, I read something online where Oprah admitted to smoking crack twice in the nineties. Yes, that's fucking Oprah. <laughs> yeah. If Oprah is dabbling with crack in the 80s, who is above that? Yeah, Will Smith was doing cocaine every day if Oprah... He was... had to have, right? right? Like, he... They must have been... I mean, yeah, people talk about these stories of, like, Hollywood parties where they were just... Their coke was like a door hors d'oeuvres. You yeah. just showed up and people were doing coke. Yeah. I mean, it was... It sounded like it was... Basically, the same way we look at five-hour energy drink right now yeah. is how people looked at cocaine in the 80s. Yeah, they did not look at it as a drug. It was just a thing that, you know, like, made you fun. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it gives you a lot of energy. Hey, this is the go-go 80s. You got to wake up early to check your stocks, man. Well, it's out there, right? Ronald Reagan is deregulating, so we got to get motivated and get this money, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. It makes sense. I don't know. Um, Corolla's talked about it on his podcast, and I even I did um, I did a setlist show, and uh, 
similar kind of idea. Like Scientology Envy was the suggestion. Setlist is where it's like a stand-up show where you get like um, you basically like they give you your set list and you just gotta basically riff and turn yeah. it into stand-up. But Scientology Envy was one of the topics, and I, I was go you know I, I was basically talking the idea that or. Everything that people in Scientology have going for them is essentially what I want in my life. Like, yeah, yeah hey, good career, good family, seemingly happy all the time. Yeah. And then all we do as a society or as like smarmy, sar- sardonic like people just like, oh, those Scientology people, they're so crazy. That's so stupid. <laughs> that would never work. <laughs> Meanwhile, they seem to have an amazing track record. Like, yeah, I, I guess – there are probably uh, people on, you know, didn't work out for them, whatever. But as far as, like, finding happiness in the world, Scientology seems to have a decent oh, track record. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a very, uh, I mean, it, it, it's self-help. Yeah. And, like, that's important. Yeah. But then there's all that thing, like, their prison in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Where they keep their executives. That, yeah. That's where I'm like, well, you know, they don't seem to be as happy as Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, in their defense, I haven't talked to any, you know prison guys or you know i haven't heard anyone i haven't heard their side of the story yeah, yeah. you you see these exposés here and there and maybe it's just a rogue person but the people that they're trotting out seem to be doing really well oh yeah leah remedy king yeah. of queens she Is has she, a syndicated sitcom she can do whatever she wants i think so yeah oh wow yeah i did not know that I, she seemed like too like hey i'm this ballsy chick from jersey yeah, yeah. you know oh hey I, you know I, I like kevin james i don't know <laughs> It's not a great impression, but she seems, like, almost too smart to kind of fall for that stuff. Yeah, she does. Well, I mean, like, she she should come off that. Like, if she's, like, if you're, like, street street tough, you shouldn't be falling for that. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah, I mean, doesn't everything Leah Remedy projects? I mean, this is in the char- her character in King of Queens, and just in interviews, it's kind of, like, you know, annoyed and kind of sarcastic and... You know, kind of like a ballsy chick or whatever. Yeah. That seems like totally opposite what you would expect from a traditional Scientology person. Yeah, you would expect like a Stepford wife, like just like... Robotic kind of going along. And then I've heard stuff like, uh, yeah, that basically whole shows are kind of... Everyone there is real big into Scientology, like uh, that 70s show, I guess. There are a lot of people, either cast and then producers were... Scientologists. Oh, man, I feel so bad talking about it then. I don't want to ruin my oh, career. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, Scientology is a really great way to yeah, yeah. jumpstart everything. No, I don't know. Like I said, I mean, we hear these these stories about guys, you know, prison workers and all this other stuff. But really, the people they tried out seem to be super happy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, everything I said, that's just allegedly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, they got, if they want to weed out, if they're going to start libeling podcasts, they, they really have their work cut out for them. They uh, must have slaves. If they have, <laughs> they have the time to go through all these podcasts out there, <laughs> pick the ones that are damaging uh, Scientology. They're like, Bill Burr, you made it weird, 41 minutes, 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you'll be hearing from our attorneys. All right, so okay, so you went uh, lived in the Jersey Shore, seemingly uh, you know played some sports. Now, what was that, what was the plan kind of going for college? Oh, uh, the plan for college was I was not going to go to college; I was going to work in music. Oh, okay. I, what kind of a? Uh... I used to run uh, like punk and emo shows in New Jersey for a while, and uh, I thought like that's what I was going to do. And my friend had a record label, and we were going to like run it together. 
And then, like, I got fired because I drank too much and, like, destroyed, like, this important show. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't sound very punk. It doesn't sound so punk now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they weren't punk. I was, <laughs> that was the yeah, old. you were being punk. I'm saying that's not punk of them to fire you oh, for no, no, they getting did. drunk and ruining the show. They're lame. Uh, so then I decided to go to college right outside of Philadelphia because uh, my girlfriend at the time was going to school in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And I was like, oh, this is a perfect uh, scenario. And then, like, we broke up way before we got to college. So I was just <laughs> stuck at this college outside of Philadelphia called Newman College. And I was not as... I, I got kicked out after a semester. The what? Just that? Drinking and, and vandalism and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Just being a young man. Being a young man. I was 18. Hey! I was, yeah, I, I did the same thing. Trust me. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I went to Penn State for two years and then... Uh, Basically came out here, took a year off, and then finished up at Cal State out here. But, yeah, I mean, 18 and 19 at Penn State, all I was doing was just being wasted the entire time. I mean, I still managed to get decent grades, but, like, I remember um, I was walking home one night, and I bumped into one of these, like, little, you know, cement parking dividers. And I noticed it was loose, so I just brought it back to my dorm room. <laughs> it was, like, 75 pounds, yeah. and I just hid it under my room. And my roommate's like, why would you do that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, giving, giving an 18-year-old an outlet where he could, or they could drink every day yes. is, like, a mistake. It's a mistake. <laughs> really, for an 18-year-old guy, I mean, it's, it's crazy there aren't more deaths in college because, really, 18 is almost the time when you should have the most structure, rules, discipline. Yeah. But you basically go from college, living in your parents house where everything's controlled to college which is the complete opposite back to the real world which is kind of somewhere in between oh, yeah and like when you're like fucking 19 like and you're drinking like i drank it every day and like i was like a yin and yang where like my yin was like dr- uh like uh fucking and then fighting like there was <laughs> yeah, only exactly. there was only two options for me I, <laughs> like i would either give someone a ton of shit like because i'm not a fist fighter I verbally fight, and yeah. then I have, like, tough friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, you're 18, you're drunk, you have a shitload of testosterone, <laughs> yeah. something's gonna happen, you yeah. know, you're gonna, you're gonna express it one way or the other. Oh, totally, and that's, uh... That's why college. I'm so against college. Yeah, it, well, I've I've ranted about it on the podcast. I was really you should have pot, or college should ideally be between like 26 and 30 or like yeah. 30 to 34 when you're like, oh, okay, I would like to read a book right now. Like, that sounds like I might I enjoy learning. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> this it would seem like it would actually benefit you, and you would have time to go out in the world and see what you're good at, see what kind of shit you like to do. Then learn more about that and then decide. Like, it seems oh, yeah. totally backwards. That sounds like a much better plan. Because, like, you can't go to a place as, like, a, a teenager and they're like, all right, there are rules, but really no one's, like, <laughs> making sure you apply, like, they yeah. follow them. Like, that's a huge mistake. Like, because I, I used to love, like, walking down the hallways and just ripping down everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why I loved it. But as I was just reminiscing about it, I was, like, really happy. Thinking. Or the, the, the funny thing would be you'd be at, like, the student store and you'd see someone on your floor getting, like, a whiteboard and just be like, oh, man, what are you thinking? <laughs> I can already picture myself either drawing a dick on that or throwing it in the elevator, you know, putting it in the shower. Like, oh, man, you were just wasting your time. <laughs> And why? Yeah. I don't know. Why not? It's just yeah, like it was just fun. Yeah, yeah. I, women don't understand the the desire guys have to just break stuff and smash stuff. Oh yeah, like I didn't like 
I, I, I hated my roommate. He was this guy from Northeast Philly. And uh, they're all, I don't know if you know anyone from Northeast Philly, yeah. but they're, they're gems of, <laughs> of dudes. But what he would do is he would, like, he would never want to come out with us immediately. Like, or he, if he did come out with us, he would go home early. Because whenever we would come in, he would be jerking off on one of our beds, like, completely naked, because he thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get that joke. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's some weird, weird stuff. Do you, let me guess, you guys don't keep in touch? No, we do not keep in touch. He, uh, he sucks so much. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting college experience. All right, so we're wrapping up here, but when did, uh, when did uh, stand-up come into play? When, so you're kind of, kind of like a man just uh, doing the punk shows, drinking, yeah. trying to find your way. When did you kind of get into comedy? Oh, I started at 19. Like, um, I, after college, I, that summer, I remember... Uh, being like, I think I'm going to do some sort of comedy. Because I was in, like, a comedy band for the past year, like, called Sean O'Connor Fan Club with me and my friends. Oh, nice. And we were, like, a, we just did inside joke songs. <laughs> so, like, it was really for no one. And uh, my friend Alan, who lives out here, actually, like, dared me to go to the Stress Factory. And I told him I was going for, like, three months. Like, I'm like, yeah, it's going really well. They're asking me to open up for Ralphie May. Like, I went on the website. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, I'm going to come to that. I'm like, don't come to that. I'll come to the open <laughs> mic on Wednesday. So I was like forced because I was caught in a lie to do stand-up for the first time. Oh, really? So yeah. you've just been type- hyping it up and then <laughs> yeah. and then so your your first performance was Stress Factory Open Mic? Yeah, Stress Factory Open Mic. I bombed my dick off. Like uh, My mouth got so dry. And then... From then on, I always had a water on stage. Yeah, that is a good call. Uh, Yeah, because I even notice that sometimes. Like, even if it's the lights are hot, or even if you just get a little bit nervous, you can dry out quick. Dry out so quick. Every show, like, I don't even, even if I'm, like, just at my, like, friend's house that's running a show, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, my mouth's dry now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how to be a person. Exactly. Hey, well, that's a part of, you know, learning what you're good at, learning what you need. You need a glass of water. So when did you, uh, you make the move out to L.A.? Uh, two years ago. Uh, yeah. So where were you doing stand-up in between then? Or you... uh, from New Jersey to New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're in New, New York, York City for most of the time? Yeah, for most of the time. That's where I cut my teeth. Uh, it's the worst city on earth. <laughs> I just say that. <laughs> there you There's go. No part of me that likes New York. Uh, See, I love visiting New York, but I don't think I could take uh, living there just because it's such an intense city. Like, I don't think I could handle it. It's just constantly being buried by something new. Uh, it's the shittiest place. I don't drink. I quit drinking in New York, and I think that's another reason why I hate New York. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really a city to just be – because, yeah, like when I go there, I like drinking. But then you just drink, and then you're just eating all this food and drinking. You're at, the next thing you know, it's like 345, and you're like, this is crazy. I, I don't know. Oh, it's yeah. just – it's intense. When I drank, New York and New Orleans were my favorite places, and I've been back to New Orleans once since I quit drinking. It's the worst fucking place <laughs> yeah, It's like <laughs> – what would you do here? Yeah, yeah, there's nothing to do. Like, no one does anything there but drink. It's awesome. Like, when you're drinking, like, I, I think I spent, like, 14 total days there in my entire life, and I don't remember any of them. <laughs> so that's, that means I had fun there. That's an I endorsement think. of the city itself? Yeah. yeah, come to New Orleans and forget. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so, uh, yeah, man, uh, really appreciate coming on. Cool. Where, can, uh, where can people check you out? Oh, uh, man, on, on Twitter or Tumblr, just search for Sean O'Connor pretty easy to yeah. find you and uh thank you for coming on thank the podcast we do it live here every week on sean this has been the green room 
The Green Room with Sean Green. Keep up the great work. See you later. Download archived episodes at 247comedy.com and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. He should have seen she was really naive. Shit, she was still only 19. And he was many years older. But he seen her walk by in them tight jeans. And he looked at her like, that's my queen. Cause he thought that he could mold her. But it's over. Yeah. No. Larry was a 39-year-old dude who was getting...